द लॉ स्कूल ऑफ अमेरिका Extortion is the practice of obtaining benefit through coercion. In most jurisdictions it is likely to constitute a criminal offense. The bulk of this article deals with such cases. Robbery is the simplest and most common form of extortion. Extortion is sometimes called the protection racket because the racketeers often phrase their demands as payment for protection from real or hypothetical threats from unspecified other parties, though often and almost always such protection is simply abstinence of harm from the same party. and such is implied in the protection offer extortion is commonly practiced by organized crime in some jurisdictions actually obtaining the benefit is not required to commit the offense and making a threat of violence which refers to a requirement of a payment of money or property to halt future violence is sufficient to commit the offense exaction refers not only to extortion or the demanding and obtaining of something through force but additionally in its formal definition means the infliction of something such as pain and suffering or making somebody endure something unpleasant the term extortion is often used metaphorically to refer to usury or to price gouging though neither is legally considered extortion it is also often used loosely to refer to everyday situations where one person feels indebted against their will to another in order to receive an essential service or avoid legal consequences neither extortion or blackmail requires a threat of a criminal act such as violence merely a threat used to elicit actions money or property from the object of the extortion such threats include the filing of reports true or not of criminal behavior to the police revelation of damaging facts such as pictures of the object of the extortion in a compromising position etc in law extortion can refer to political corruption such as selling one's office or influence peddling but in general vocabulary the word usually first brings to mind blackmail or protection rackets The logical connection between the corruption sense of the word and the other senses is that to demand bribes in one's official capacity is blackmail or racketeering in essence. That is, you need access to this resource. The government restricts access to it through my office, and I will charge you unfairly and unlawfully for such access. Extortion is also known as shakedown and occasionally exaction. United States. Extortion is distinguished from robbery. In robbery, whether armed or not, The offender takes property from the victim by the immediate use of force or fear that force will be immediately used. Extortion, which is not limited to the taking of property, involves a verbal or written installation of fear that something will happen to the victim if they do not comply with the extortionist's will. Another key distinction is that extortion always involves a verbal or written threat, whereas robbery may not. In United States federal law, extortion can be committed with or without the use of force and with or without the use of a weapon. In blackmail, which always involves extortion, the extortionist threatens to reveal information about a victim or their family members that is potentially embarrassing, socially damaging, or incriminating unless a demand for money, property, or services is met. In the United States, extortion may also be committed as a federal crime across a computer system, phone, by mail, or in using any instrument of interstate commerce. Extortion requires that the individual send the message willingly and knowingly as elements of the crime. The message only has to be sent, but does not have to reach the intended recipient to commit the crime of extortion. United Kingdom, England and Wales. In England and Wales, extorting property and money by coercion is the offence of blackmail, which covers any unwarranted demand with menaces, including physical threats. See section 21 of the Theft Act 1968 plus sections 29 and 30 of the Larceny Act 1916. A group of people may also be committing conspiracy. 
Scotland. Extortion is a common law crime in Scotland of using threat of harm to demand money, property or some advantage from another person. It does not matter whether the demand itself is legitimate, such as for money owed, as the offence can still be committed when illegitimate threats of harm are used. Cyber extortion. Cyber extortion is when an individual or group uses the internet as an offensive force. The group or individual usually sends a company a threatening email stating that they have received confidential information about their company and will exploit a security leak or launch an attack that will harm the company's network. The message sent through the email usually demands money in exchange for the prevention of the attack. Cases In March 2008, Anthony Digatti was arrested on federal charges of extortion through interstate communication. Digatti put $50,000 into a variable life insurance policy by New York Life Insurance Company and wanted a return of $198,303.88. When the firm did not comply, he threatened to send out 6 million spam emails. He registered a domain in February 2008 that contained New York Life's name in the URL to display false public statements about the company and increased his demand to $3 million. According to prosecutors, Digatti's intent was not to inform or educate but he wanted to damage the reputation of New York Life and cost the company millions of dollars in revenue. New York Life contacted the Federal Bureau of Investigation and Digatti was apprehended. On February 15, 2011, Spanish police apprehended a man who attempted to blackmail Nintendo over customer information he had stolen. The man stole personal information about 4,000 users and emailed Nintendo Iberica, Nintendo's Spanish division, and accused the company of data negligence. He threatened the company that he would make the information public and complain to the Spanish data agency if his demands were not met. After Nintendo ignored his demands, he published some of the information on an internet forum. Nintendo notified authorities and the man was arrested in Malaga. No information has been revealed as to what the man demanded from Nintendo. On February 7, 2019, Jeffrey P. Bezos, owner of Amazon and The Washington Post and currently the world's wealthiest person, accused the National Enquirer and its parent company American Media Incorporated, of attempting to extort him by threatening to reveal nude pictures of him unless he publicly stated that he no knowledge or basis for suggesting that AMI's coverage was politically motivated or influenced by political forces. This threat was in response to Bezos investigating the tabloid for publishing details about his relationship with Lauren Sanchez, which led to Bezos and his wife Mackenzie announcing their divorce on January 9 of that year. Bezos refused and posted the threat on Medium. On October 21, 2020, the news sources reported roughly 40,000 patients' records having been stolen from the Finnish private healthcare provider Vashtamo. The extorters demanded 40 bitcoins, roughly 450,000 euros, or threatened to publish the records. The extorters published 100 patient records a day on a Tor message board to add pressure for their demands. The leaked patient records contained patients' full names, home addresses, social security numbers, and the therapist's and doctor's notes from each session. After the extortation of the company failed, the extorters sent victims an email demanding them to pay 200 euros in 24 hours or 500 euros in 48 hours in order to avoid publishing their sensitive personal data. The company's security practices were found to be inadequate, the sensitive data was not encrypted and apparently the system root password was very weak. The patient records were first accessed by intruders November 2018, while the security flaws continued to exist until March 2019. The president of Finland saw the cyber attack being relentlessly cruel. Similar crimes Badger Game, the victim or Mark for example, 
such as a married person, is tricked into a compromising position to make them vulnerable to blackmail. Clip joint A clip joint or flesh pot is an establishment, usually a strip club or entertainment bar, typically one claiming to offer adult entertainment or bottle service, in which customers are tricked into paying money and receive poor goods or services, or none, in return. An example of this is portrayed in the comedy film Porky's. Coercion the practice of compelling a person or manipulating them to behave in an involuntary way, whether through action or inaction, by use of threats, intimidation, trickery, or some other form of pressure or force. These are used as leverage, to force the victim to act in the desired way. Confidence trick, also known as a bunko, con, flim-flam, gaffle, grift, hustle, scam, scheme, swindle, bamboozle or finesse, an attempt to defraud a person or group by gaining their confidence. Cryptovirology, a software scam in which a public key cryptography system crafts fake keys which encrypt the user's data, but cannot decrypt them unless the user pays for the real key. Dog napping, the crime of taking a dog from its owner, which usually occurs in purebred dogs, the profit from which can run up to thousands of dollars. Loan sharking, a loan shark is a person or body that offers unsecured loans at high interest rates to individuals, often backed by blackmail or threats of violence. Price gouging, a pejorative term for a seller pricing much higher than is considered reasonable or fair. In precise, legal usage, it is the name of a felony that applies in some of the United States only during civil emergencies. Racket, a service that is fraudulently offered to solve a problem, such as for a problem that does not actually exist, will not be affected, or would not otherwise exist. Sextortion, forcing individuals to send sexual images or perform sexual services. Terrorism, most simply, policy intended to intimidate or cause terror. It is more commonly understood as an act which is intended to create fear. Terror, is perpetrated for an ideological goal, as opposed to a materialistic goal or a lone attack, and deliberately targets or disregards the safety of non-combatants. Some definitions also include acts of unlawful violence or unconventional warfare, but at present, the international community has been unable to formulate a universally agreed, legally binding, criminal law definition of terrorism. Tiger kidnapping, the taking of an innocent hostage to make a loved one or associate of the victim do something, for example, a child is taken hostage to force the shopkeeper to open the safe, the term originates from the prior observation of the victim, like a tiger does with its prey. Ransoms are often used alongside these. Now a word from our sponsor, the Law School of America. Embezzlement is the act of withholding assets for the purpose of conversion of such assets, by one or more persons to whom the assets were entrusted, either to be held or to be used for specific purposes. Embezzlement is a type of financial fraud. For example, a lawyer might embezzle funds from the trust accounts of their clients, a financial advisor might embezzle the funds of investors, and a husband or a wife might embezzle funds from a bank account jointly held with the spouse. Embezzlement usually is a premeditated crime, performed methodically, with precautions that conceal the criminal conversion of the property, which occurs without the knowledge or consent of the affected person. Often it involves the trusted individual embezzling only a small proportion of the total of the funds or resources they receive or control, in an attempt to minimize the risk of the detection of the misallocation of the funds or resources. When successful, embezzlements may continue for many years without detection. The victims often realize that the funds, savings, assets, or other resources, are missing and that they have been duped by the embezzler, 
only when a relatively large proportion of the funds are needed at one time, or the funds are called upon for another use, or when a major institutional reorganization, the closing or moving of a plant or business office, or a merger-slash-acquisition of a firm, requires the complete and independent accounting of all real and liquid assets, prior to or concurrent with the reorganization. In the United States, embezzlement is a statutory offense that, depending on the circumstances, may be a crime under state law, federal law, or both, therefore, the definition of the crime of embezzlement varies according to the given statute. Typically, the criminal elements of embezzlement are the fraudulent conversion of the property of another person by the person who has lawful possession of the property. I. Fraudulence. The requirement that the conversion be fraudulent requires that the embezzler willfully, and without claim of right or mistake, converted the entrusted property to their own use. 2. Criminal conversion. Embezzlement is a crime against ownership, that is, voiding the right of the owner to control the disposition and use of the property entrusted to the embezzler. The element of criminal conversion requires substantial interference with the property rights of the owner, unlike larceny, wherein the slightest movement of the property, when accompanied by the intent to permanently deprive the owner of possession of the property is sufficient cause. 3. Property Embezzlement statutes do not limit the scope of the crime to conversions of personal property. Statutes generally include conversion of tangible personal property, intangible personal property, and shows as inaction. Real property is not typically included. 4. Of another, a person cannot embezzle their own property. v. Lawful possession. The critical element is that the embezzler must have been in lawful possession of the property at the time of the fraudulent conversion, and not merely have custody of the property. If the thief had lawful possession of the property, the crime is embezzlement, if the thief merely had custody, the crime at common law is larceny. Versus larceny. Embezzlement differs from larceny in three ways. First, in embezzlement, an actual conversion must occur, second, the original taking must not be trespassery, and third, in penalties. To say that the taking was not trespassery is to say that the persons performing the embezzlement had the right to possess, use or access the assets in question, and that such persons subsequently secreted and converted the assets for an unintended or unsanctioned use. Conversion requires that the secretion interfere with the property, rather than just relocate it. As in larceny, the measure is not the gain to the embezzler, but the loss to the asset stakeholders. An example of conversion is when a person logs checks in a check register or transaction log as being used for one specific purpose and then explicitly uses the funds from the checking account for another and completely different purpose. Embezzlement is not always a form of theft or an act of stealing since those definitions specifically deal with taking something that does not belong to the perpetrators. Instead, embezzlement is, more generically, an act of deceitfully secreting assets by one or more persons that have been entrusted with such assets. The persons entrusted with such assets may or may not have an ownership stake in such assets. In the case where it is a form of theft, distinguishing between embezzlement and larceny can be tricky. Making the distinction is particularly difficult when dealing with misappropriations of property by employees. To prove embezzlement, the state must show that the employee had possession of the goods by virtue of his or her employment, that is, that the employee had formally delegated authority to exercise substantial control over the goods. Typically, in determining whether the employee had sufficient control the courts will look at factors such as the job title, job description and the particular operational practices of the firm or organization. For example, 
The manager of a shoe department at a department store would likely have sufficient control over the store's inventory, as head of the shoe department, of shoes, that if they converted the goods to their own use they would be guilty of embezzlement. On the other hand, if the same employee were to steal cosmetics from the cosmetics department of the store, the crime would not be embezzlement but larceny. For a case that exemplifies the difficulty of distinguishing larceny and embezzlement see State v. Weaver, 2005. North Carolina appellate courts have compounded this confusion by misinterpreting a statute based on an act passed by Parliament in 1528. The North Carolina courts interpreted this statute as creating an offense called larceny by employee, an offense that was separate and distinct from common law larceny. However, as Perkins notes, the purpose of the statute was not to create a new offense but was merely to confirm that the acts described in the statute met the elements of common law larceny. The statute served the purpose of the then North Carolina colony as an indentured servant and slave-based political economy. It ensured that an indentured servant, or anyone bound to service of labor to a master, for example, a slave, would owe to their master their labor, and, if they left their indentured service or bound labor unlawfully, the labor they produced, either for themselves, for example, self-employed, or for anyone else, would be the converted goods that they unlawfully took, from the rightful owner, their master. Crucially, and this can be seen as the purpose of the statute, any subsequent employer of such an indentured servant or slave, who was in fact bound to service of labor to a pre-existing master, would be chargeable with misprision of a felony, if it was proved they knew that the employee was still indentured to a master, or owned as a slave, and chargeable as an accessory after the fact, in the felony, with a servant or slave, in helping them, by employing them, in unlawfully taking that which was lawfully bound, through the master-servant relationship, in exclusive right, to the master of the indentured servant or slave. Methods Embezzlement sometimes involves falsification of records in order to conceal the activity. Embezzlers commonly secrete relatively small amounts repeatedly, in a systematic or methodical manner, over a long period of time, although some embezzlers secrete one large sum at once. Some very successful embezzlement schemes have continued for many years before being detected due to the skill of the embezzler in concealing the nature of the transactions or their skill in gaining the trust and confidence of investors or clients, who are then reluctant to test the embezzler's trustworthiness by forcing a withdrawal of funds. Embezzling should not be confused with skimming, which is underreporting income and pocketing the difference. For example, in 2005, Several managers of the service provider Airmark were found to be underreporting profits from a string of vending machine locations in the eastern United States. While the amount stolen from each machine was relatively small, the total amount taken from many machines over a length of time was very large. A smart technique employed by many small-time embezzlers can be covered by falsifying the records. Example, by removing a small amount of money and falsifying the record the register would be technically correct while the manager would remove the profit and leave the float in, this method would effectively make the register short for the next user and throw the blame onto them. Another method is to create a false vendor account and supply false bills to the company being embezzled so that the checks that are cut appear completely legitimate. Yet another method is to create phantom employees, who are then paid with payroll checks. The latter two methods should be uncovered by routine audits, but often are not if the audit is not sufficiently in-depth because the paperwork appears to be in order. A publicly traded company must change auditors and audit companies every five years. The first method is easier to detect if all transactions are by check or other instrument, but if many transactions are in cash, it is much more difficult to identify. Employers have developed a number of strategies to deal with this problem. 
In fact, cash registers were invented just for this reason. Some of the most complex, and potentially most lucrative, forms of embezzlement involve Ponzi-like financial schemes where high returns to early investors are paid out of funds received from later investors duped into believing they are themselves receiving entry into a high-return investment scheme. The Madoff investment scandal is an example of this kind of high-level embezzlement scheme, where it is alleged that $65 billion was siphoned off from gullible investors and financial institutions. Safeguards against Internal controls such as separation of duties are common defenses against embezzlement. For example, at a movie theater, cinema, the task of accepting money and admitting customers into the theater is typically broken up into two jobs. One employee sells the ticket, and another employee takes the ticket and lets the customer into the theater. Because a ticket cannot be printed without entering the sale into the computer, or, in earlier times, without using up a serial numbered printed ticket and the customer cannot enter the theater without a ticket, both of these employees would have to collude in order for embezzlement to go undetected. This significantly reduces the chance of theft, because of the added difficulty in arranging such a conspiracy and the likely need to split the proceeds between the two employees, which reduces the payoff for each. Another obvious method to deter embezzlement is to regularly and unexpectedly move funds from one advisor or entrusted person to another when the funds are supposed to be available for withdrawal or use, to ensure that the full amount of the funds is available, and no fraction of the savings has been embezzled by the person to whom the funds or savings have been entrusted. United States In 2005-2009 the United States had 18,000-22,000 to arrests for embezzlement per year and 13,500 arrests in 2019. A 2009 journal article reported estimates that three-quarters of medical professionals would suffer from embezzlement at least once in their career. In 2018 the average embezzlement stole $360,000. The estimated losses in 2005 to 2009, including the many with no arrest, were $400 billion per year. In 2018 companies brought charges in 45% of cases. 85% of incidents involved an embezzler who was a manager or hire. The average incident involved three embezzlers, and 79% of incidents involved more than one embezzler. 70% of cases went undetected for over a year, and 31% lasted over three years. The average embezzler had worked at the company for eight years. 39% of financial professionals who experienced embezzlements had experienced a prior incident of it. After the embezzlement, only 26% of companies added security and audit requirements, 27% increased spending on audits, and 29% reviewed their anti-fraud controls frequently. However, 97% of companies which had experienced embezzlement were confident the anti-fraud controls in place would prevent future embezzlement. England and Wales Offenses of embezzlement were formerly created by Sections 18 and 19 of the Larceny Act 1916. The former offenses of embezzlement are replaced by the new offense of theft, contrary to Section 1 of the Theft Act 1968. Worldwide In 2020, 37% of employee fraud happened because of a lack of internal controls or lack of independent checks and audits, 18% by overriding internal controls, 18% from lack of management review, 10% from a poor tone set by top managers, and 17% from other causes. The Law School of America this has been a Creative Commons licensed podcast. The content used in the podcast is licensed by the Wikimedia Foundation Incorporated under a Creative Commons attribution, share alike license. The text has been modified for audio. 
The content of these podcasts is for informational purposes only and do not constitute professional advice. These podcasts are not associated with the Wikimedia Foundation in any context. The Law School of America. Thank you.